0: In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station
1: allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tug Entertainment or its partners.
0: It's time for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Everyone has learned lessons in life during their lifetime. Some good, some bad. But from everyone, there has been something learned. And now it's time to share that knowledge. It's called Paying It Forward. Here, these lessons learned are then paid forward to you, with you paying it forward too. Josephine put her professional career on hold after the birth of her first child and turned her attention to being a full-time mother. Well, three kids later, Josephine started her own company, MyMomKnowsBest.com and Glovies, but was dismayed by a lack of information that people would share to help entrepreneurs be successful. That's where Paying It Forward was born. This is Paying It Forward on 30 And now, here's your host, Josephine Jirasi.
2: Well, good morning, everyone. It's Josephine here. Thank you so much for joining us on Paying It Forward today. Uh, Today is going to be another great show. I have to tell you, this is the first time in the history of me doing my show for three and a half years that I have invited a guest back for the third time. So shall we close Call this a part three, and my guest today is Mr. David Pinto, and I am just thrilled because I got so many downloads from his first two shows, and David is a wealth of information. So he was kind enough to come back on our show. Before I give you a quick rundown on his bio, let me just give you the business tip of the week. So. Um, We have a guest coming on the show. Her name is Tina Forsyth. She's going to be coming on sometime next month in May, and she wrote a book. It's called The Entrepreneur's Trap, How to Stop Working Too Much, Take back your time and enjoy your life. And I must tell you, in order for me to prep for her show, I've been reading this book and she has truly done an amazing job. So one of the most important things she mentions in the book is how important it is to set up systems in order for you to succeed. And what we mean by systems is, as entrepreneurs, a lot of us are a bit of control freaks, let's just say that, and it's very hard for us to hand over certain responsibilities to others, but she explains in her book how important it is to get people who are truly qualified and who could set up your systems. An example of this is social media. We all know how important social media is to our business um, and getting the word out. So if we can hire somebody that can assist with our social media, that would be great. In other words, if you're out there writing a blog, why don't you just quickly come up with your own draft and you can then uh, send it over to, you know, your social media person. Let them tighten it up so that you're not spending another half hour making your blog perfect, and then they can have the responsibility of shooting it out to all of your networks. What that allows you to do is, number one, As many of you know, I feel strongly that you have to write your own social media stuff because it really is coming from you and your heart as opposed to coming from one of your employees. So I think that is a perfect example of how it's important to get your systems lined up. So with that, let me just give you uh, that's the business tip of the week tina forsyth will be coming um on our show if you can you want to go to amazon.com and try to get her book the entrepreneur is trapped okay Let's move on, because I'm very excited. We have a lot to talk to David about today. So, as many of you know already, David Pinto founded Ratcha Press, and Ratcha Press actually publishes two leading trade publications called Mass Market Retailers, MMR, as it's known in the industry, and Chain Drug Review. They're trade publications that are specialized in chain, mass merchant, and chain drugstore retail markets. Mr. Pinto has been reporting on mass market retailing for over 40 years. He has a long, illustrative background in the retail industry. So, with that, let's bring Mr. Pinto onto our show. Good morning, David.
1: Hi, Josephine. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing good. How are you doing today? Okay, I have nothing to add to what you just said and to what I said
1: <laughs> the last two times. What are we going to talk about this time?
2: We have so much to talk about. It's not even funny because David. I just feel that every time I talk to you, I mean, you intrigue me because I learn so much from you. And there are so many times that I think, "Wow, I would absolutely love to be a fly on the wall of your office and just sit there all day and listen to your conversations that you have with everybody, because I know I could learn a lot from you."
1: But um, well, anytime you want, anytime you want, Josie, we'll set up a little anteroom for you, and you can just listen all you want. <laughs>
2: All right, that sounds good. So, David, I was trying to find a quote this morning, and I couldn't find it on the computer. I thought for sure it was George Burns that came up with the quote. It says something like, if I I could have known what I know now at the age of 80 when I was 20, then life would be good. Who said that? Do you know that quote?
1: Well, I've I've heard the sentiments. I don't know who quoted that, but but uh, I, I share those sentiments. Boy, if I only knew if I only knew knew then what I know now. We've all said that, haven't we?
2: Yeah, absolutely. But, that, but I yeah. thought this would be a great way to start the show because I know you probably feel that there's something that you learned later on in life that you wish you would have known younger. What do you think that could have been, David?
1: Everything, everything I've I've, you know, I've learned in life, I've learned in the last ten or fifteen years. But you know, that's not what life is about. The, the way you learn something is by going through the experiences. I wish I, I I had a different relationship with my parents. I wish I I was more confident at a younger age in business. I, I mean, I could I could give you a list of a hundred things. But that's not what life is. You, you, know, you learn as you go along, and it's almost not fair to say, if I knew then what I know now. It's, it's just not a valid thing. But we all wish we could do it, you know?
2: But, David, yeah, as an entrepreneur, we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening now. What advice can you give somebody that maybe has been doing their business even for the first 5 years? It's still st- such a struggle trying to learn what we don't know. Is there anything like what would be your biggest thing that you You could know, offer? you never you never have you
1: never you never should lose that attitude. You know, you always should be a little not sure of yourself there, you know the last two days something happened at, at j c penny there' this person who was hired as the CEO of j c Penny seventeen months ago he had previously set up the Apple retail stores and he, he was he 's a big deal in retailing and he got fired on monday and there's a story in The Times today about the the, 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 the The hubris this guy had, the the certainty that he knew everything, and nobody knows everything. And he came into Penny and changed everything without knowing what he was doing. And, of course, Penny now is a bigger disaster than it was when he joined it 17 months ago. I'm, I'm advising all your listeners to read that story. It starts on the first page of today's New York Times. And it's just all the things that you can do wrong in business. This guy did wrong in, in 17 months. He didn't listen to anybody. He didn't listen to the people around him. He fired people without even knowing what they did. He brought in his friends. He, he laughed at the way Penny was. He, he, everything you can do wrong in business, this guy did wrong in 17 months. This is a smart guy. This was a guy who had a terrific retail. Uh, uh, background who had a wonderful resume he worked for Target, he worked for Apple he was very close to Steve Jobs how do you do that how do you how do you, uh, come into a job and think you know it all when you really don't well I'll
2: tell you, David, it's very interesting that you should bring that up because on my recent trip to L.A., I was coming home on the airplane. I was so exhausted. It was two days of nonstop activity. I went from a dinner straight to the airport I was exhausted I got on that airplane and the pilot said okay we're ready for takeoff and the next thing you know here I was in New York and the pilot said we're ready to come down and during the descent I had about 10 minutes and who was sitting right next to me on the plane but a buyer from J.C. JCPenney and she was so pumped up, I can't even tell you. She was talking about how they're coming out with this brand-new line and how JCPenney has really made such a turnaround and everything's just going to be great. So it's funny how the CEO had his own employees pumped up that it was going to be a success and how quickly they realized that it was that it, it was not a success, that it had failed. I mean, that's surprising to me, David, that they were able to see in 17 months that it was really going south so quickly. Well,
1: when your sales declined by 25% in right. a quarter, I, and, and when the CEO has a press conference and says, I made huge mistakes, then you begin to see, hey, maybe the guy really did make mistakes. But when, when the mistakes are so obvious, I'll never understand that. How you can make obvious mistakes. When you've had a lifetime of doing this, I, I don't. I'll tell you another story. Um, there was once the CEO of, of uh, Kmart. One of the last CEOs before Kmart really fell apart This Kmart was located at the time in Troy, Michigan, a suburb of Detroit, and this guy lived in New Jersey. So every Thursday afternoon, Kmart had a company plane. Every Thursday afternoon, he would leave to go home for the weekend, and he would come back Monday morning in the company plane, and he would fly right over the, the Kmart headquarters in the company plane. What does that tell all the employees at Kmart? This guy doesn't care enough. To spend five full days a week in in, uh, Michigan, he has to fly home on Thursday. Now, the same story is told in The Times today about Ron Johnson, the guy who was the CEO of Penny, who just got fired. He lived in California. He never never settled in uh, Dallas, which is where Penny's located. He flew back and forth every week.
2: What is that? I agree. I mean, especially as a CEO to get your feet in the ground is so important. I remember one of my first jobs out after I got my MBA, I got hired into this training program and I'll tell you, I'll never forget Dick Pector. He taught me so much, and he used to have pep rallies with the employees. And he was right there at that pep rally, and it was so important because we, as employees, felt he was such an involved person in the company. And I agree with you. I think that has a lot to do with the success. But we're Uh already finished with our first um, segment of. We We are. We are. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back.
0: back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girassi right after these on Togginet.com. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Togginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live La Bella Vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into if you enjoy traveling and food and family. All with an Italian flair. Then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central on TonyNet.com.
2: Do your friends and family speak the same spiritual language as you? Are you ready to embrace the life you truly desire? Are you ready to find the courage to listen to your intuition, embrace your ancient wisdom, and live an authentic life in joy? Join Gail Carruthers, your spiritual girlfriend, Fridays at noon, Eastern Standard Time, on the Angel Radio Network as she ignites the conversations you're longing to have. Grab a cup of tea, tune in, and finally find the answers you're looking for and the path of happiness you seek with an hour of Dishy Talk Radio for the spiritually hungry with Gail Carruthers, your spiritual girlfriend, here, Fridays at noon, on the Angel Radio
0: Network, changing the world by enlightening the world. One radio show at a time. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girassi on toginet.com.
2: Well, welcome back, everyone. It's Josephine here, and we have the wonderful Mr. David Pinto with us. (laughs) And uh, David... (laughs) <laughs> David, so you said you have a lot of ideas. You know, we started the show off and you were trying to tell me that you had nothing to offer and the first segment felt about two seconds. So the show's going great. I'm thrilled. What ideas I, do you have? You're talking about sports night, uh, I guess. Yeah, is it I, Monday I'm
1: sports night? Most- can I, is it my turn to speak now? All right, go ahead. It's yeah. your turn. <laughs> okay, I'm sure most of your listeners know who Aaron Sorkin is. He wrote he wrote West, uh, the West Wing. He's written this this new television series called the, uh, Newsday or News News something on on cable, and he's he's, he's very well known and he's very talented. About Fifteen years ago, he did a series for for ABC called Sports Night. It only ran for two years, but it was really wonderful. And I I urge your listeners to get it's out on DVD, to to get this these tapes and watch the interaction between the small group of people. It parodies ESPN. You know, it parodies. parodies uh, uh, Center on ESPN where two guys get on the on the television and talk about today's day's scores. But it's it's about behind the scenes and it's about this team of people who care maybe seven or eight people, the host, the producer, the whatever. And they care about each other. And and I'm sure your listeners have people around them who work with them or for them. And it's very important to build a rapport. I, I've been watching this series, and I'm disappointed that my company doesn't have this, this, this sense of, of camaraderie that Aaron Sorkin wrote into, into Sports Night. It's very important when you, when you have a company, a small company, a large company, you have to build a sense of involvement. To the people in this company. Everybody knows that, that you as the president of the company are making more money than them, but it's, it's never about the money. It's about a, a sense of belonging. And Aaron Sorkin has really conveyed that in this series. No matter what job these people have, they feel that they're part of something important. And that's very important, especially for entrepreneurs. You do that, don't you?
2: Oh, I absolutely do, David. I have to tell you, I think one of the things that made my husband marry me was that at the time, I used to work for a spa out in the Hamptons, and I had a lot of people, you know, reporting to me. It was a small spa, but there was still probably over 10 employees that were Reporting to me at the time. And I needed to have um, spreadsheets done to figure out some numbers or whatever. And, you know, the spa manager came up to me and I had said, you know, if you can have this done for me tomorrow, that would be wonderful. And she said to me, Josephine, if you really need it, I don't mind. I'll stay tonight and do it for you. I'd rather do it so you'll have it first thing in the morning. And my husband, I didn't realize it, you know, he he overheard the whole conversation. And that night, you know, we were out at dinner. He goes, i I'm was so impressed with how everybody rallies around you to try to get you what you need. He said, I've never seen that before. And... I think what I try to do, David, is even though I am the business owner, I always try to put myself in the other person's shoes to say, you know, are am I feeling appreciated? And I think what I try to do is truly let people know, anybody who has really come to help me, I always try to let them feel appreciated. It's not just saying thank you. It's sometimes just taking that extra step to make them feel that they are part of the team. So, I don't know. You know,
1: that's, that? a, that's, a, that's a very difficult thing to do. You never told me you were married, Josephine. Did you <laughs> tell me that? <laughs> oh, you uh, cracked but, me up, David. But, you know, that what you have just said is very difficult. You know, because in the end, it's your company, and and... You're to, you have to make the decisions. And somebody can say something to you that they really believe is the way it should be done. And you know that it's not the way it should be done. And how do you say to that person, listen, we're going to do it my way, but I appreciate your, the thought you put into this without alienating that other person. That is a difficult, difficult thing to do. Because, we you know, when I work for other companies, I wanted my ideas acted upon. Hey, I got a terrific idea. Here's what we should do. And when that person said, no, we're not doing it that way, I'd be hurt. And how do you do that? How do you reject an idea without rejecting the person? It's very difficult. All these things are difficult. Nothing is easy. Somebody once said to me, life is, life is supposed to be difficult, but it's also supposed to be fun. And that's very important. How do you do, do that, that David? How do you reject that- an idea without rejecting the person? You yes, you were going to say something, Josephine. Do,
2: If that's the question you're asking me, how I would handle that, I would probably say to that employee, you know what, I feel very strongly about it, you feel very strongly about it. How about we try it my way first, and the first second we see it going south, let's switch gears, meet together, and maybe we can try your idea out and see if that's a better way of handling it. I don't know.
1: Uh, you, want me to, you want me to comment on that? Do you want to? Sure. I, you know, I would, I would not take that. Uh, you know, the mistake I've made in 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 business time and again is I say, All right, you really feel strongly about this and the person says yes, I say fine we'll do it your way And you're abdicating your responsibility by saying that and you making the you're making the employee feel terrific but, you, you know, your obligation is, first of all, to the company. If you think an idea that you have is better than the idea the other guy has, the other person has, you need to do it your way. And if it hurts the person, you've got to find a way to, you know, to soften that blow. It, these are difficult things to, to do.
2: Sure. So, David, what other ways do you think we can make the employees feel good? I mean, you were just saying, even in your own company, about the camaraderie. I I actually see it, because I see it from a different perspective. I mean, I see your employees, you know, recently when I went to, you know, the cocktail party that you had. I don't know. I see that these guys have been working together 20, 30 years, and they do have this little sense of a family. And I, I think it's really a beautiful thing.
1: Well... You know, it's not as good as I want it to be. And to have people working for you for 20 and 25 years, that's the good news and the bad news. It becomes very difficult to criticize people who've been working for you for 25 years. You know, I once worked for a company, and and somebody, uh, the president of the company fired somebody after 22 years, and I went up to this guy and said, what's the matter? I guess it just didn't work out, did it, Roger? You can't fire anyone who's been with you for 22 years or 25 years. You can't do that. There's an unwritten law. You can't do that. So that's the bad news. Mm -hmm. What, What happened? He was good enough for 21 years, and all of a sudden he's not good enough anymore? Yeah. You know, these, I, are, these are difficult subjects. I talk to other people who are entrepreneurs, and these are subjects that always come up. A person who was good <laughs> the way the company was five years ago is no longer strong enough to work in the company as it's evolved today. You know what I'm saying?
2: Absolutely. You,
1: you know, when you have two people working for a company and the, the second person's job is to clean up at night, that's terrific because there's no one else there. But all of a sudden you have ten people working for you. You move into an office building and, and the building sends somebody to clean up every night. Well, that person's job is, is no longer the same job. You know what I'm saying?
2: Absolutely. Things change.
1: Things change. That's what I'm saying. Things change change and a lot of most people don't like change they don't want to deal with change and that's a, that's 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 not good i told you i knew sam walton and he always said embrace change change is inevitable you have to embrace change you have to look for it and you have to welcome it most people don't do that they're afraid of change
2: yeah, and you I'm know what, David? I'm afraid, I'm,
1: afraid, I'm afraid you won't ask me to, to come on your program anymore. I'm afraid, I'm
2: I think you're doing great. I think you're doing great. But the thing mm-hmm. about change is, I think a lot has to do nowadays. Everything's changing as far as technology goes. For God's sake, I'm sometimes I'm afraid to look at my emails to see what else is new with social media because it's always some kind of pressure that you got to get on the bandwagon. Because if you don't, you know your competitor and everybody else is doing what you should be doing so i think we have to change no matter what and i think i agree with sam walton i agree with you embracing the change is important
1: so- you know I, you mentioned earlier social media i'm not i'm not sure i know how to view social media you know i know you jump onto the newest thing all the time and i'm i am i still don't know what facebook is I don't know what Twitter is. I don't know what a tweet is, and I don't know if I'm if I'm falling behind or if I'm if I'm uh, just being wise to uh, in waiting. You know, you walk around the streets of Manhattan, and there is a sickness. Everyone you see is on their cell phone. They're texting. They're emailing. People get into the elevator. I might have said this last time we, we I was on your program. People get into the elevator on the eighth floor. I live on the ninth floor, and they walk into the elevator with their cell phones, looking at their cell phones, and I say, what are you doing? Well, I'm catching up on my, on my emails. Well, didn't you just leave your apartment? Why didn't you do it there? There's an obsession with, with absolutely not wanting to miss anything, you know, wanting to stay connected. That's not good. I I agree,
2: and David, I think that you do a great job at working hard and playing hard because I can see you physically turn your mind off if you're not in business, and I think that's a talent. I honestly do think that because a lot of people can't disconnect, and I think it's important to disconnect so that you can recharge your batteries, but it's just a sign of the times, I think. I really... it's do crazy. you disconnect? Do you, do you have to you walk away David, from your
1: business?
2: No, we're coming up to the to a break here, but I'll just say before we come up to the break, I have to tell you this morning, you know, I, as you know, I've got three young kids and I'm constantly multitasking and I'm constantly having to make decisions like, gosh, do I sit down and read a book with my son before bed? You know, he's 10 years old. He can read it on his own, but it's kind of, Time that we can bond together, or do I go down to the office and send the email out to China that I need to send? And this was my dilemma last night, and I decided to stay with my son, and we read our book together, and we both fell asleep together. Uh, my email didn't go out, but I have to tell you, in the back of my mind, I would have loved to have embraced the time with him, but I was thinking in the back of my head, wow, I really have something to do for business. So it's very hard for me to turn off. No,
1: you made the, you made the right decision, Josephine. I the
2: right well, on that note, we're going to go to our halftime, but stay with us, everyone, and we'll be back with Mr. David Pinto. Thanks, much.
0: We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirossi, right after these on Cogginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girassi on toginet.com. Hey everyone, it's Josephine here, and
2: we have Mr. David Pinto with us. So, David, I have a question for you. What? Um, The entrepreneur's curse, okay? My definition of this is, and you know I have this curse, is that entrepreneurs tend to be extremely creative people and have lots of different ideas. And it's not to say that they couldn't be successful with every idea that pops into their head. What is your advice for an entrepreneur that has that curse?
1: Where did you get the idea that the idea that entrepreneurs tend to be extremely creative? Are you basing that on you?
2: David, I think every entrepreneur is. No, I'm basing it on the fact that I interviewed, I think it's 150 entrepreneurs now. Can you believe it? And
1: they were, they were all creative.
2: David, it's so funny that they not only are they creative, they were creative at a very young age. Like, they were all entrepreneurs at a young age, and I even put somebody on the spot, and he was like, nope, I was never an entrepreneur. I wasn't an entrepreneur when I was a kid. I said, are you sure? And then all of a sudden, he said to me, well, if you want to include the fact that I used to rent my eight-track tapes to my friends and collect money, I said to him, are you kidding me? I think all entrepreneurs, I almost think that we're born that way. Well, I
1: all right i 'll tell you there are other characteristics entrepreneurs are people who don 't want to work for anyone else they, they 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 have their own ideas about things they if they if you disagree if they disagree with you you think you automatically think the other person's wrong uh, I think that entrepreneurs uh what you said earlier that they need to control things that's that 's a characteristic of all the entrepreneurs I mean, they 're controlling you know how much toilet paper is in the men's room i mean they really control <laughs> want to control everything and that's that's a bad thing <clears throat> i think entrepreneurs are creative because they're allowed to be you know they they it becomes easy to think up ideas when there's no one to to argue with you or no one to say no to you but I think that more importantly, entrepreneurs don't want to work for other people. They, they don't do well working for other people. They fight all the time. You know, I, I'll classify myself as an entrepreneur. I, I fought with everybody at the companies I worked for. I <laughs> always was fighting. I always was disagreeing. That's a characteristic of entrepreneurs. Wasn't that a characteristic of yours when you worked for other people?
2: Um, try to think. I can't look back and see me as a fighter, but I can remember times thinking in my head when my boss might have been talking to me and me thinking in my head, boy, you have no clue what you're talking about. If we would just do it my way, I know it would work.
1: So. Well, what do you call that except disagreeing? You, you yeah. didn't verbalize it, but you still disagreed with him.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You
1: know, it, most people would sit there and, and keep their mouths shut to whatever you say <laughs> I go along with. Those people aren't entrepreneurs.
2: Yeah. No, I agree. And I, you had said that people who don't want to work for someone else are entrepreneurs. I think the definition for a lot of entrepreneurs is people who can't work for other
1: people. Okay. Can't work. That's that's better than the way I said it. They can't work for other people because they're losing their jobs or they're always getting into trouble and and, uh, it's true. You know, entrepreneurs are different. Well, let's leave it at that. They're different. And I've known a lot of them and they're different. Yeah. You know, they're confident in themselves. I could write a book. They're different.
2: Okay. So, David, let's think about something. So, you've had so many challenges, and you've had so many accomplishments. Let's talk about the challenges. What was the biggest turning point after you've experienced your first big challenge?
1: You know, all right, we used to <coughs> publish the the, the, <coughs> the smallest paper you can publish by law if you're selling advertising is 24 pages you cannot publish anything with fewer than 24 pages in in a for-profit newspaper so for, for for months and months and months every two weeks we published a newspaper it was 24 pages and we had three or four or five ads, and the rest was all editorial. And then one time we went up to 32 pages because we had enough ads to support a 32-page paper. That was a real turning point. If we could do it once, then we could do it again. But until you did it the first time, I mean, we had to publish 24 pages. We couldn't publish less, but we, we never got to the point where we, we, we publish more because of the we didn't get enough advertising and then one day we did and once you do it once if you do something once you can do it again you know it's not yeah. luck that you do something once that was a turning point for us you know, another turning point was people started to remember the names of, of our, the name of our publication, Changer Review. For a long time, they confused us with our, our competitor at the time, and that's a humiliating. Aren't you David Pinto with such and such? Right? No, I'm David Pinto with Changer Review, and you get annoyed. <laughs> but a yeah. turning point is all of a sudden they remember the publication's name. That's the turning point.
2: I think that's great. For me, personally, it's when I go to a trade show or something and somebody looks at me and they're like, aren't you the gloviest girl?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's wonderful. You know what that's worth? That's worth everything. Everything. And, and, and. You can't, you can't uh, underestimate what it does to you. It makes you keep going. God, are we going to publish twenty-four page issues forever? No, we have a thirty-six page issue. If once, we can do it again. It's little things that are turning points. You know that.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's great. So, so David, that was that would have been what your biggest accomplishment, right?
1: My biggest, that wasn't my biggest accomplishment. Well, I told well, you, me,
2: going back, meeting you was my ex-
1: biggest accomplishment.
2: I am? What? Wait, what yeah, did you me say? Meeting your you was my biggest, go ahead, go ahead. No, well, what do you think your biggest accomplishment was? Let me just throw that question out there. Looking back at your entire over three right. years I'm of business experience. It.
1: Deciding, deciding to start my own business was my biggest accomplishment because everybody wants to do it it's getting the nerve to to do it you know i've always worked for and I've, I've said this to you before i've always worked for companies my father was a was was a printer for the new york times we were we were a family of them. Employees, you work for a company. That was my upbringing. That was my education, and I, I didn't know anyone who worked for themselves. You work for a company. You got a paycheck every two weeks or every month. When I was uh, going to college, I worked for the public library. Boy, every two weeks there was a paycheck. That was my that was my orientation. So making the decision to, to go into business for myself was the biggest decision I ever made. That was the turning point of my life, Except for okay. of my you.
2: Do you have any regrets for doing it, David? Like,
1: if Oh, you God, had... no. That's the best thing I've ever done. Okay. The best thing I've ever done in my life in, in a business sense was deciding to go into business for myself.
2: I hope there I can say that. I hope I can say that about the... gluppies. Huh? Wait, go ahead, David. Yeah.
1: You know, there are were, there were still problems, there are challenges, there are worries, but they're different. They're different. You don't walk into the office wondering if the boss is in a bad mood and he's going to fire you that day or, or yell at you for no particular reason. But I didn't mean to interrupt you. What were you going to say about Robbie?
2: No, I just think it's so funny. I went into this whole business so ignorant david i cannot even well you know because you you know my story but what on earth made me think that i could come up with an idea it was just an idea and turn it into a real product that's actually on the shelves of a retail store and who are my competitors you know procter and gamble <laughs> seriously david
1: Well, I went through the same thing with my competitors. But, you know, the advantage you have... is that the competitors are all very big, and they're very slow to react. Procter & Gamble doesn't think up a product idea today and get it into the stores by Friday. It's going to take them years. They're going to meet. They're going to have meetings. They're going to have consulting sessions. They're going to do test markets. That's what's wrong with big companies today. You have a huge advantage over them. You want to change the packaging, you could change it in a week. That's a huge advantage. That's the advantage entrepreneurs have and it's so overlooked. They can they can they can change directions immediately. They don't have a bureaucracy to answer to or, or, or to work with. That's a tremendous advantage and that's the advantage you have.
2: Yeah, and you know what, just to bring social media back into the conversation for a second, I'll tell you, David, it is quite interesting that we have the same audience, like I'm going after the same audience that the big guys are, and you know, I can reach just as many people as they can. So that's the mm-hmm. media and social media that is so impressive. So as soon as Glovies is ready, which I'm hoping is going to happen within the next two months, it's going to be so easy to get the word out that the new product is up and running, and you can go online, you can buy it online, or you could buy it at these retail stores. So it's um, it's fun, it's exciting, but um so David, you know what my little challenge has been lately about bringing glovies to the marketplace? How important do you think distribution is? <laughs>
1: Now, you and I have discussed this, so you know the answer. In my world, distribution is everything. No one's buying anything that's not in the stores. Or you say online, but I'm saying in the stores. You, you You put a product in the stores. You get a product on the shelves at Walmart. And you don't ever have to do anything else. That's how powerful Walmart has. 30 million shoppers a week. Some, you know, fantastic figures. If you don't have distribution, you know where. If you do have distribution, you don't need much else. That's my feeling.
2: But the question is, so now you're on the shelf. How does everybody know about you? You better go out and <laughs> They're get advertising. People are
1: going to see. You know how many people shop? I just said how many people shop Walmart. If 30 million shop people shop Walmart a week. And and one tenth of one percent buy this product one tenth of one percent I'm not good at math, so I can't tell you what that number is. But you don't ever have to worry again. That people see people see the product on the shelf. You know, I had a very good friend who worked for Walgreens and he said in the store, you've got to create speed bumps. You've got to get the customer to stop because the customer is exposed to 30 products every five seconds. How do you create a speed bump? So once you get distribution, your next challenge is going to be, how do I create a speed bump at Glovey's? How do I make them stop at Glovey's and look and say, yeah, I wonder what that is. I
2: think that's, that's the packaging, David. I feel strongly that the speed bump is a package, and it has to be something very bright. And something that catches the eye of the consumer, because you really only have a matter of seconds to get that. That's right. Well,
1: that's your that's your challenge. But you can't tackle that challenge till you get distribution
2: all right I'm gonna I'm gonna take you up on that one so I think you're right but here we are we're on to another break here but stay with us because David's gonna share with us five life lessons that's gonna be our last segment so we have some really good tips so stay with us everyone
0: Be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Right after these on Toginet.com.
2: Chances are,
0: you didn't give birth to Einstein, so why are you trying to raise your child to be like him? Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein with your host, Tara Kennedy Klein, WooHoo Radio Network's parenting show dedicated to helping you release the myth of the perfect parent and discover the unique brilliance in your child and you. Tara and her panel of amazing, intelligent, and sometimes off-the-wall guests will share the tips, tools, trends, and techniques available that will help you stop raising Einstein and start relishing your role as a proud and present parent. Join her every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time for Stop Raising Einstein, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Are you yearning to connect with those close to you who have passed on? Do you feel you'd be more at peace or more in balance in your life if you could only have that connection? Now you do. It's time for Alex Laws and the Alex Laws Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Alex discovered an incredible balance that allowed him to listen and receive messages from the other side. Not your traditional psychic medium. Alex has spent the last 27 years as an endurance athlete and entrepreneur. At the core of Alex's abilities is his knowing that in order to open one's soul to the universe, one must open their heart to being authentic. The wisdom Alex has shared from those beyond the veil has helped at an international level and changed people's lives and sometimes, too, their direction in life. Need help with your life or business direction? Tap into the spiritual realm of Alex Laws. For more information, check out alexlaws.com. Then join us for the Alex Laws Hour with Alex Laws. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central, here on The Rock Star Radio Network. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on TogiNet.com. Welcome back, everyone. It's
2: Josephine here, and we have David Pinto. As our guest. So, David, um, this is going to be a little different. Because you've been a repeat guest on the show, we've talked about your business tips. I thought this would be fun if we could have five life lessons that you could share with us. So, what do you think about that?
1: I didn't, didn't I give you life lessons last time?
2: No, nope, you gave us five business tips.
1: Oh, and if okay.
2: Sorry, right. I might have to go to my file.
1: All right, hold on. My life lesson. First life lesson: never do anything for nothing. Ooh. Especially when you're asked to be on a radio program for the <laughs> third time, and you still haven't gotten your first paycheck from this. You know, I was I was half kidding. I'm I'm often asked to write things for people because I'm a journalist, and i and I'll do anything people ask me to do, but I won't do that. That's how I make my living. You want me to write something for you, you have to pay me. If it's a dollar, you have. This is what I do for a living. This is my profession. So never do anything for nothing. Hey, do me a favor. I mean, you must get that a lot of Do me a favor. Send me uh, five dozen gloves. No, it costs. It costs me to produce gloves. I'll send you, but I'm sending you a bill. Never do anything in your line of work for nothing.
2: David, I think okay. that is such a great lesson. I have to tell you, I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine yesterday. She um, she was just saying that it's so, especially for moms, I have to say, just because I'm a mom and I'm kind of living through this, I just know with a lot of my friends in my community here, some of the moms have been out of work. But I'll tell you, they were there were some heavy hitters before they stopped work to have children, and some are trying to get back into the workforce, and it's kind of funny how all of a sudden your confidence goes out the window because you haven't worked for 10 years. It doesn't mean that you're not a qualified candidate, but David, it's so funny to me how a lot of these women are willing to work for so much less because of the fact that they don't have confidence so i
1: think you know it's a great lesson uh you know i'm often asked all right i i'm sure i told you this in the past on your program if you could give someone one thing health free health care a college education a job or a house one thing and only one thing (laughs) what's the thing you can give them that would make the most difference to them in their lives and the answer, I'm convinced, is a job. You have to, People need a job. They need to work. They want to work. If you could give a person a job or help a person get a job... That's, that's important. That's, the money doesn't matter. What the job is doesn't matter. I, I'll i be honest with you. I pay, I'm walking in the street, and I pass a McDonald's, and it says, help wanted. And I say to myself, hey, I can do that. <laughs> you know, the way I grew up, I, was, I, I grew up and I was taught no job is unimportant. No job is beneath you. I delivered groceries once. I... You know, no job is unimportant. So I passed McDonald's. Oh, God, I could do that. And that's a wonderful, it's a very healthy attitude. No job is unimportant. I'll tell you another life thing. I've been in business with people who, let's say they've worked for a company for five years and and they're in charge of advertising and they've never once run an ad with Chain Drug Review. Then they lose their job. And the next day they call and say, hey, David, this is your old buddy Edgar. Listen, yeah, maybe maybe you heard I'm out in the market again, and I thought I'd send you my resume, and I know you know a lot of people, and maybe you can help me. Well, what should you do about that? This guy doesn't give a darn about you. He he doesn't care about you. He's never helped you this much. What do you do about this? And my reaction is to say, well, let me tell you what to do with your resume. But that's wrong. And my opposite reaction is, well, everybody needs a job. Let me try to help them. And I think that's wrong, too. I think in the end you should say, all right, send me your resume, and then just not do much of anything with it. I mean, it's, these yeah. are difficult things. How do you help somebody who's who's been of no help to you when you really needed help? How do I you help know. that person?
2: I know, but I know that's not your nature, and I'm sure you went out and did something for them.
1: I but do, and I get into trouble every time. My People in my company say, why are you helping this guy? Don't you know the guy hates you? Yeah, but he's looking for a job, you know? He needs oh. a job. Is it difficult to, you know, know, you're such a softy,
2: David, but you know what? That's the problem when we're business owners is that even with myself, there's a lot of times in the past seven years, or it's eight years in June, it'll be eight years that I'm running my business. David, do you know how many people I have had do things for glovies that weren't really, I don't, They weren't real experts, so to speak, but I wanted to give them the opportunity because I wanted to give them a chance, and I figured if I had to pay somebody, I'd rather pay somebody who had children and who was –
1: you know, experiencing hard times. Yeah, yeah, but you but know, the that's truth wrong, of the, matter is, the end, probably, we can't do you that. Have, you it's, have to redo it, it and, and, yeah, that never works. I, I know I told you the story when uh, I have a partner who I used to be married to. That's for the fourth episode. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but she, she fired somebody who started to cry, so I rehired her. Well, you can't do that. This is a business. Ow. But here this girl, she's crying, oh my God. And yeah. and she was terrible at her job. No, and and no. Susan fired her. So I rehired her. And Susan <laughs> says, You rehire this person? Yeah, what? Well, she she was so unhappy. You can't you can't run a business like that.
2: Now, that's why your business works so well because you've got, you know, Susan's Really, she's got the business hat, and I'll tell you, even with me and my business, all of a sudden, David, I'm like, I'm putting my pants on, and I don't care. I'm thinking – I don't want to say thinking like a man, but I have a certain friend in mind who's extremely successful, making multi, multi, multi millions, and I just say to myself, would he do that? Would he accept the fact just because he has been working with a manufacturer for over two months, would he accept – a high price for a product he's trying to buy? No. He turned to them and say, it's been nice like for you with you for two months. If you can't give me the price I need, thanks, but no thanks, and walk away.
1: And you know, that's hard. very good. The, toughest, the most successful businessmen are the toughest businessmen. And, and I think women get a bad rap because what's aggressive in a, in a man is pushy in a woman, you know, you've heard that. But yeah. the most successful businessmen, the most successful entrepreneurs are the toughest entrepreneurs, the entrepreneurs who know how to say no, and it's part of business. You I don't like to be another, in the uh, middle there,
2: though, David. I don't want to be on my deathbed and everybody is saying, oh, look how successful she is, and she's got, you know, billions in the bag, but everybody hated her. I don't want to be like that. I'd rather less
1: money. I, I don't think, no, I'm not talking about that. Um, to use your example. If, if if you sense you're being overcharged, you have to say, hey, listen, you know, I, this is not what I wanted to pay, and I happen to know you're giving a guy down the street a better deal than I'm getting. That's what being a tough businessman is. And, okay. you know, you've been, you've been very kind, and you took me on when no one would. But, but be fair. You're charging me more money than you're charging everybody else. That's what being tough is.
2: Okay. I like that. All right, David. Mm-hmm. How, many, uh, how many life lessons have we gotten to already? I think two. Oh,
1: seven or eight. All,
2: All right. right. We need another life lesson for all those listeners hanging
1: in there. All right. I'll tell you one. Never think that you know it all. You know, this guy who came to Penny's 17 months ago, who just lost his job Monday, he knew it all. Boy, you couldn't tell him anything about retailing. He established the Apple stores, hugely successful. He was great at Target. Knew it all. Knew it all, and 17 months later, he's the laughing stock of, of retailing because of he thought he knew it all. He, no one knows it all. You've got to c- count on the people around you for ideas and for encouragement and, for, and, to, and to, to disagree when they, when they feel you're wrong. Never think you know it all because people will stop confiding in you, stop telling you the truth, and, and then you're lost. Never think you know it all.
2: Oh, I love that one. That's a great one. Let's number that number three. How about number, number three? Four, Dave? <laughs> All right, come on, give us two more. We only have, we have less than three minutes here.
1: You know, again, at the beginning of the program, we talked about the same guy from Penny, and I, I alluded to a guy at, at Kmart who at the end Friday and Monday were not work days for him. Or, or Friday afternoon and Monday morning, we're not part of the work week. Never get into that habit. You can't work less hard than, than the people who, who work with you or work for you. Your, your, your obligation in, as an entrepreneur is to work as hard as your people. You can't leave the office at 5 o'clock and say, well, I'm going to the theater tonight, but the, don't forget to turn off the lights when you leave at midnight tonight because we've got to get the paper out and we, we close on Monday don't ever do that you know you set yourself apart from people how dare this guy fly home to california every friday so he could get a late dip in the pacific
2: ocean you know what is that yeah no i think that's great and david with less than two minutes what is your final life lesson you want to share with us
1: Never be on a radio program more than three times because it's very hard <laughs> come for on, it David, to Come on, David, don't up
2: say that because pretty soon I think you should become my co host.
1: Well, I am. I, I would do that. A bit. How much does it pay? Does it pay a lot of money?
2: <laughs> well, listen, you're the pro at getting advertisers. Maybe this is a good idea.
1: Yeah? Oh, let me think about that.
2: Come on, let, come let on. Me, Have you one know, more step.
1: Yeah. I'm going to give you one more. Hurry up. Okay. On. All right, all right. I, 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 there are several variations of it. simple is best. Keep it simple. It's always the the little things, you know. Have confidence in yourself. These are all related. Simple stuff always works. We've we've come up with ideas in our company. The simplest ideas. One time we decided we were going to recognize the ten most influential women in mass market retail. We were just sitting around kibbutzing, Hey, here's an idea. What a simple idea. We. That was a huge success. That was five years ago. The people still remind, who we chose still remind me that they were one of the in, most influential so, women. Simple, did, works. Simple,
2: simple, simple works. Simple works. All right. Well, we're going to wrap works. up our show with simple works from Mr. David Pinto. Even though he says he won't come back on the show, I am hoping he will be back on our show. But, David, thank you so much. I so, so appreciate you taking time out of your busy, busy schedule for being part of paying it forward and everyone have a great successful week and i'll see you next week thank you
0: for being a part of paying it forward with josephine Tarasi on tuggingat.com this show is dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful each week we'll be discussing accomplishments